breathing in air the fake ain't phony they're just seeing impaired because you believe what you see or believe what ain't there the real world is twisted and to me it ain't fair because greedy people seem welcome to the voices in my head the intro and outro music is west and coast by the high council you can check them out on soundcloud Welcome back. If you've been enjoying my podcast and YouTube channel, please hit that like and subscribe button. Really help me out. Came across an interesting article today out of the Supreme Court. They made a humongous decision for free speech. And I'm always for free speech. I love free speech. I think we can be obnoxious, as vulgar as we want. This one actually pushed the boundaries a little bit because the person was making threats and actually was convicted for making threats and they overturned that conviction. So let's get into this. I'm on CNN.com. This article is dated June 27, 2023. The headline is Supreme Court clarifies when online harassment can be prosecuted. Now, this is online free speech, not out in the public actually talking to somebody because I think the levels of threat and threatening language would be different online versus in person. Let's get into the article. The Supreme Court on Tuesday wiped away a lower court decision upholding the stalking conviction of a Colorado man who sent hundreds of messages to a woman over Facebook. Justices said that court had used the wrong standard in convicting the man and sent the case back down with a new test to apply to the case. The justices said it would suffice for prosecutors to show that the speaker was aware that his speech could be viewed as a threat and that the speech was reckless, even if not intentionally threatening. The court's move could worry those working to combat stalking in the age of social media, where the internet has expanded the number of violent threats, enabling activities that include online harassment and intimidation. They fear the court standard could raise the bar for the government when trying to prove that a series of messages amount to a true threat unprotected by the First Amendment. I think this is a good ruling. First of all, if I'm online and if I'm anonymous and someone makes a threat to me, to my anonymous Twitter account saying that they're going to harm me or they're going to do things to me, I'm not worried because they don't know who I am. Now, if I'm there with my real name, that may be something different. At the same time, they may not know where I live. So the, the level of threat that I have to believe is out there is different than and if I'm in Walmart and someone is threatened to kill me or harm me or do things to me and they're physically in my presence, I mean, they're two feet from me, they're yelling, they're aggravated, they're making motions that make me fear for my safety, then those words mean something different. But just being a keyboard warrior saying things, to me, they're just words. And words online are just words online. Most of the most of the time when people say things, they're, they're just typing. They're never going to follow through. At least that's my thoughts on that or my opinion. Back to the article. While advocates for abused women have pushed the court to protect less such threatening speech, free speech advocates have expressed concern that the court could act too broadly and chill speech that is misunderstood to be a threat. Yes, because what is clearly a threat? Me saying, I am going to kill you is a little bit different than me saying, hey, I'm going to remember this or I'm not going to forget what you just did. Is that a threat or is it just saying, hey, I'm going to keep an eye on you or I'm going to constantly be trolling you? your account. I mean, when, where does that level of threat really begin? And that's what they were, the Supreme Court was trying to do was set a standard for what is 
is actually a threat versus just someone typing it on a keyboard. Back to the article. The case involves a Colorado man, Billy Raymond Counterman, who was convicted of stalking a songwriter, Coles Whalen, after sending her hundreds of direct messages on Facebook. Now, first of all, I don't do Facebook, but I know Twitter. Twitter allows you to block people. I'm assuming Facebook would allow me to block people also, and it wouldn't get to hundreds and hundreds of DMs before I block somebody. Whalen found the messages creepy, especially because they indicated he was surveilling her. She never responded, but instead repeatedly tried to block him on Facebook, but he continued to create new accounts in order to send her messages. Now, first of all, this is just my thinking for safety online. And anybody listening to this, especially women or anybody being stalked, if you're on Facebook, most people use Facebook to keep in touch with friends and family. If you get a stalker on there, just create a new Facebook account, allow all your friends and family to know that you have this new Facebook account and let the other one go dormant. Don't don't post anything or maybe post something once a week to make this person think that is your your current active account. And they're going to chase after that while you have this whole other new Facebook account that you're interacting with your friends and family. And you said it and you said the settings to more private that only your people that you're friends with can view your post or even communicate with you. I mean, so they have have the control. So I'm not sure what this woman was not doing. Maybe she didn't understand it. Back to the article, the messages over a two-year period included, quote, was that you in the white Jeep? Another quote, seems like I'm being talked about more than I'm being talked to. This isn't healthy. You're not being good for human relations. Die, don't need you. So just to me, that statement there, I would not construe as a death threat. Now, was that you in the white Jeep? I could just be some doing some social engineering and looking at past pictures and see you posted a picture of your white Jeep. Then I could pretend that, oh, I saw you in town. Was that you driving that white Jeep today around lunchtime? Most likely you're running around at lunch or maybe in the morning or maybe in the evening. By the time I can figure out from your social media posts, what time you leave, you go to work, what time you come home, whether it's you work first, second, first shift, second shift, third shift. Most people put their whole lives online. If you spend some time reading, you can really develop a good, strong profile of who that person is and what their habits are. You can develop what their political leanings are, who their friends are, where they work. I mean, you can develop a lot of different things just by looking at their Facebook because people put their whole lives out there. So he could have just been playing a game when he says, was that you in the way Jeep? And to me, the third one about die, don't need you. To me, that is not a, not just a threat. Now saying, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to stab you or I'm going to shoot you, maybe a little bit more. Back to the article, at one point he asked her for a quote, hot date at Walmart. And another time expressed anger and frustration at her lack of response. Okay, so he's just a little psycho. Whalen was so upset she took preventative measures such as hiring extra security and even canceling some of her performances. Ultimately, she filed suit and Counterman was found guilty of stalking and sentenced to four and a half years in prison. But his lawyers argued that the conviction violated his free speech. Yes. Now, once again, I'm playing amateur attorney. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving any legal advice. I'm just wondering, why did she not get a restraining order first because if she got a restraining order now he's in violation of a court order which has nothing to do with free speech and i'm just wondering why her attorneys did not tell her to take that route rather than seek criminal conviction you get a, a protection order or a restraining order and he can, and which will say you cannot contact this person online or in person or by any other communication devices then when he keeps on doing it now you go back to the judge and say he continued to do this and 
and the judge will issue a bench warrant out for him and deal with it from that aspect. And now he's in trouble criminally for violating the judge's order, not by going to the DA, getting the DA to prosecute him. Back to the article, the, the Supreme Court has defined, quote, true threats, those that are unprotected by the First Amendment, as statements by which the speaker means to communicate a serious expression of an intent to commit an act of unlawful violence. The speaker need not carry out that act. So here the Supreme Court is putting the test not on what the recipient believes it says, but what is the intent of the sender. So just to have die, don't need you, does not mean he is intending to harm her. It's just saying, I don't, you don't need to be on this planet. I don't care about you anymore. If you died, I would not care. That... To me, that's what I'm reading here. So what was his intent? The fact that these are the only three they included in the article, I'm assuming these are the three worst. Because to me, if CNN was trying to paint a case or a picture of what was really going on, you're going to pick the top three to five most egregious messages, not the three or four most mild messages. Back to the article, but lower courts have been divided over whether the government must demonstrate that the speaker knew the threat nature of the speech. Some courts have said it's enough that a, quote, reasonable person recognize the threat. Now, I like the reasonable person standard in many, many things. As a reasonable person, would I consider them as a threat? No. Now, maybe if I read all two years of the messages, I may consider something different. But the Supreme Court saying even the reasonable person standard is not enough. And I think, rightly so, free speech is paramount to America. We must protect it. And we must have clear guidelines of when speech is not protected under the First Amendment. Back to the article, John Elwood, a lawyer for Counterman, argued that his client's speech was protected by the Constitution free speech clause and said the justices should insist on a standard that, quote, considers the speaker's intent in order to, quote, avoid criminalizing inevitable misunderstandings. He said that Counterman suffers from mental illness and did not understand his messages to be threatening. And I see that with people, especially people that are somewhat autistic, they do not have the same social cues or social intelligence that the average person would. So they may say things not realizing how the other person is taking it. And I've been around people that, that are that way. And at times I will be that way. I may say things and not realize, oh, in my mind, I didn't take it this as bad, but I can see how someone else would take that bad. And while they got upset and usually I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I apologize. I didn't mean it that way. Let me let me re-clarify or let me restate what I meant to say. And obviously if this person has some type of mental illness or autistic, he may not have those social social cues or the social maturity to understand what he's saying and how other people are interpreting his words. Here's another quote from his attorney. The bedrock principle underlying the First Amendment is that the government may not prohibit expression of an idea simply because society finds the idea itself offensive or disagreeable. And I did a podcast probably about two weeks ago about two different people posting offensive political signs, one on each side, once against Trump, once one against Biden. The one against Biden was a lot more offensive 
very vulgar language, but it's protected by the First Amendment, that we do not need a First Amendment if it only protects speech that is polite and everyone agrees with. It, it is needed to protect that odd man out, the black sheep, that one out of 100 that wants to say something different that opposes the other 99. That's what free speech is meant to protect. Back to the article, Colorado defendant stalking law, stressing that it protects victims from, quote, intrusive, threatening, and escalating course of conduct characteristic of stalking. Now, my concern, what exactly is intrusive? What exactly is threatening? Now, this woman thought this was intrusive and threatening, but would a reasonable person think the same? And what does the sender think? So we have to define those. And then the third one is, is very concerning to me is that it says escalating course of conduct. So they want to nip it in the bud. They want to stop behavior from becoming worse. Well, this is like minority report. We're going to do pre-crimes. We're going to arrest people and charge people before they commit a crime or thought crimes. That's my concerning with this. And I get it's a noble effort that with stalking, we see where police or prosecutors do not take a stalking claim seriously and someone ends up dead from their stalker and everybody looks back, you should have done something. Well, a lot of times you got to look at, is there enough evidence to do something? And just because someone's sending messages someone doesn't like doesn't mean that's stalking or that it will lead to something even worse. A lot of times people just may be doing it just to be a pain. They just want to be a pain in the ass to somebody or just annoy somebody or troll somebody. And the article finishes up, Colorado Attorney General Philip J. Weiser argued that Whalen had dedicated her life to making music and after years of unwanted messages, her dream, quote, ended and her mental health deteriorated. And I, I understand that. And it's sad that it got that far and that she gave up on her dream. It's, and to me, it's not a matter of balancing, protecting people from bad things happening to them and protecting people's rights. There is no balance between that. People's rights come first. I have a right to be offensive. There is no right to not be offended. No one has a right to say, I don't want to hear things I don't, I don't like, or I don't want to hear opinions that oppose my opinion, or I don't want to hear thoughts that are different than mine. No, the, the protection is on that person that is speaking that they can say what they want to say. And if this person didn't understand that, then their law is the problem. To me, I go back to what I said earlier. Did her attorney send him a cease and desist letter? Did their, her attorneys try to get a restraining order? Did the DA contact him saying, hey, your behavior is bad and could be violating this law? I mean, did we do all these things prior to charging him? Because at that point, then you could argue, we told him six ways to Sunday that his behavior was bad and was threatening. And if he didn't understand multiple letters from an attorney, a restraining order, letters from the DA, police showing up to his house, talking to him, I mean, all these different things, then we could easily argue he knew what he was doing was wrong. And he knew what he was doing was threatening because so many people communicated that. Now, I don't know whether that's happened with this case. And if it didn't, like I said before, why didn't she start with the restraining order? Because then that would have been a lot easier. If he violates the restraining order, it's not a stalking claim. It's you are in contempt of court. The judge ordered you not to do something and you're doing that. Now the judge can hold you in contempt and punish you accordingly. I'm going to jump over to Zero Hedge because they had the same article and there was just a couple different things on here. This was written on June 27th, 2023. The headline is First Amendment, Supreme Court raises bar to convict for online threats. And it goes through the same thing about the online threats, but it, this gets into a little bit more of the ruling. It was a seven to two ruling. So an overwhelming majority said that the DA was wrong, the prosecution 
execution was wrong. So it was not a four to five split where conservatives or liberals won out the day. No, it was it was a solid decision by the Supreme Court. They actually get into some statements from the ruling. In the ruling authored by Justice Elena Kagan, the court found that while true threats of violence aren't protected under the First Amendment, states must prove that a criminal defendant has, quote, disregarded a substantial risk that his communication would be viewed as threatening violence. And here's a quote, the court ruled that for speech to be considered, quote, a true threat, there has to be some demonstration that the speaker had some subjective understanding of his statement's threatening nature. But it only has to be shown that the speaker was reckless with their comments rather than intending to be harmful. So once again, you're getting into that the speaker intended to be reckless with his comments that I I can say, yeah, I knew someone would get butt hurt and, and get their feelings hurt over my comments, but that's not enough to convict me of stalking. You have to prove that his comments were reckless. And it gets in here that the dissenting justices were Clarence Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett, which were the two conservative justices. But three conservative justices went along with the ruling decision. This is pretty fascinating. I'm sorry that this woman had to go through these type of things. I think they need to change their approach of how they prosecute, not just say, well, we can't do anything. It has to be an escalation of letters from the attorney, a restraining order by a judge, a letter from the DA, visits from the police department saying, hey, we're getting complaints. What you're doing is dangerous. Then if the person continues, then you can say they just didn't care. And then once again, not an attorney, not a legal scholar, just my thoughts. I think a lot of times governments to protect people from hearing things they don't want to hear, they just quickly pass laws without it really thinking through how it's going to stifle people's First Amendment rights. And this is an extreme case, which I think we need to deal with the extreme cases because that's going to help push the legislature to say, okay, how do we work around this? How do we write a law that shows we did our due diligence before we convicted the person? Once again, just my thoughts, not a legal scholar, not giving any legal advice, just giving my opinion. Thanks for listening. I could run the whole block just from walking the line. Parking is prime. These are the thoughts of my mind. And I'm a straight rider, never stopping a sign. And I'm only slowing down if I'm stopping the sign. Six figures on the check before I'm jotting a line. It goes one for the money, two for the clothes, three for the honeys, and a four for the flows. Five O's and six.